You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BNH Photography Podcast. Today we are lucky to welcome to our studio actress, model, singer, and photographer, Shari Belafonte. And not uh, necessarily in that order. <laughs> good point. Thank you. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into all of that stuff. Shari is currently starring in the new TV show, The Morning Show. And to any fan of fashion photography, she's well-known, well-recognized. Her face has been on the cover of Vogue, Mademoiselle, Jet Glamour, and God knows how many other magazines and more times than we can count. It's like, you, you know, you could... 300, you could hurt yourself carrying your portfolio. <laughs> lift with your knees, lift with your knees. Wow. Um, and, and not too many people could say that their very first Vogue cover, Vogue, I don't know. And not many And people, obviously you can't say it. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and not many people can say that their first Vogue cover shot was taken by none other than Richard Avedon. I know. That's pretty impressive. Very impressive. And where do you go from there? Oh, uh, wow. Well, Shari's a well-rounded artist. She's also released several albums, which is not surprising, given that her dad is Harry Belafonte. And we were talking early before the show that his music played in my uncle's house across the street from me all the time, and I'm very familiar with it. Today, though, we're going to be talking with Shari about photography. So let's get into it. Sherry, welcome to our show. It's so great having you here today. So good to be here. You so know. you have grown up around cameras. Now, as a little kid, All my life. right? All my life. Cameras were aimed at you, mostly because, again, you, you know, your dad was front and center. He, he was big deal back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. He broke down a lot of walls. And again, everybody's familiar with his music and his acting and everything else. So you're smiling, you're laughing about well, something. Go ahead. Well, what's interesting is I was very hyperactive attention deficit. As a child. I still oh. am, but a little more, you know, I curtail it with certain things now. Uh, that By Jamaican Native American blood, you know, she's allows wearing, me to do She's also things. wearing a bright orange cap right now. You want to talk about it's attention? Like, it's, 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 Nike. Nike. it's with, nice. With purple, yeah. It, no, <laughs> purple and orange. There you go. There's, don't rob a bank today. They're going to find you fast. Don't. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, my grandmother gave me my first brownie camera. Now, mm -hmm. that's how far back I mm -hmm. go. With the, you know, I had the fan flash that you'd put the oh, little yeah. light bulb sure, in. Oh, yeah. So I had that when I was four years old. How many megapixels was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you would get this little tiny roll of film, you know, that you would put inside that camera. Yep. And uh, that was my first foray into being behind the camera. And then Instamatics, you know, got an Instamatic when I was, I think, I had the... the Funny little Polaroid camera that we, you know, I've had them all. Mm -hmm. And my first legitimate camera was a Pentax when I was 11 years old. Okay. Uh, I was in boarding school. I skipped two Spotmatic grades. Spotmatic or H3V? It was, I, you know, I can't remember. I just, it was a 35 millimeter Pentax camera that was dad's first. Oh, dad had a Spotmatic. And, and that was he, the top of the line and one. He, okay. And he passed it down to me. So my entire high school was spent in the dark room. I smelled like I smelled like a developer for you know that was really attractive smell yeah. coming out of it. Yeah, yellow fingernails, the exactly. whole thing. Yeah. yeah, and sitting in the dark, you know, rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, and and then you know praying that you could put it in the can, it would come out, and it wasn't all crumpled and you know. So yeah, I spent a good part of my 
earlier years behind the camera. And then, of course, like you said, being Harry's daughter, you know, when we when he was on tour somewhere and there was paparazzi or there were people taking pictures of us all the time. And then Harry took pictures of us all the time that we never saw. And it was the biggest joke because he would he always got get over there, get over there, get over there. Stop, stop, you know, stand there. So there are hundreds and hundreds of pictures that were taken of us by Harry and we've never seen a single one. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single picture. And, and why do you think that's the case? Did he just too busy to kind of develop I don't know if he going? ever developed them. I don't know right. if there was even film in the camera. <laughs> I think he had these Leicas and he just, you know, he just kept Take shooting. Yeah. Once in a while we saw him because he would, when he was touring, he would have these, um, you know, the uh, the program. Mm -hmm. with the, And it was always the big color program that would come with, when you buy a ticket. And there would be pictures of us, you know, in there. And we'd go, did Dad shoot that picture? <laughs> so around the house was... Photography, kind of a respected medium. Was it an art? Did did your dad have? It was an art. He yeah. did have a dark room, yeah. which he never went into. He yeah. just had it in the yeah, back yeah. next to his recording studio. Nice. But he did use a recording studio. Though, he right? had a recording oh, okay. studio. Right. <laughs> he did use the recording okay. studio. Okay. But um, yeah, we always have been shutterbugs. Mm -hmm. I think the whole film, definitely me, mm -hmm. more so than I think my siblings. Yeah. Uh, but it, I, Harry was definitely behind the, you know, a, yeah. a camera. He was into yeah. Leicas. He yeah. was a very Leica, like like a like a like, yeah, likeable Leica. Kind like of guy. Understandable. <laughs> and what about with the paparazzi and stuff? I mean, it's maybe it wasn't. Well, I can't even say that it wasn't like it is now because paparazzi. Oh no, no, all over it's worse place, now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, was it uh, a pain in the butt? Was it something that you guys? Well, you're so I don't know. I was so used to it yeah, by then. Yeah. You know, because what happens? My Harry, uh, Harry and Marguerite. My mom was Marguerite. She passed away a few years ago. But they divorced when I was very young. They actually separated when mom was pregnant with me. So there was always that kind of people trying to take pictures of that dynamic uh -huh. that was going on. And but there was a little more of a sense of decency, for lack of better words, with paparazzi. True. I mean, now it's like oh, no, anything it's goes. There, there were lines that were not crossed back then. I mean, I they, they so. took chances and stuff like that, and they, they definitely probably got under your skin, but right. probably worse today. And usually I think it was more of a magazine would come in, Ebony magazine would come in and say, you know, can we shoot you at home or... And, you know, there was a story that was behind it. And maybe the attorneys would go, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's let's push that, you know. Yeah, we've always been around cameras. So when you started taking pictures them. for yourself, aside from family, what kind of things interested you? What sort of You know, in the early days, because I was in boarding school in Massachusetts. So I, I've always been a fan of black and white. Mm -hmm. um, I never learned how to uh, process color. You know, and of course, slides, I guess, were the first things you sort of learned. I never learned how to process, but I was always into the dynamic of black and white. So with the snow in Massachusetts, there was always this lights oh, yeah. and shadows and you can streams and, you know, <laughs> falling through the ice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, save the camera, save the camera. Um, I shot landscapes, mostly landscapes. And then I, I shot everything. And then as I got older and could start affording stuff, I actually stopped shooting for a while. And then when Sam and I got married 35 years ago, Sam gave me my first EOS camera. Oh, okay. I had I was by then already onto um, Canon cameras, but you know I had A one and you know the that great. But then Sam gave me my first EOS camera after maybe not shooting for ten years, and we went on our honeymoon to Italy, and I just shot like crazy, like bags and bags of film that I was carrying. And at the time, Kodak made what was called recording film. And the recording film twenty four seventy five recording you, for and it, it as soon as you develop it would turn into a corkscrew that you could never hold flat. That right? I didn't know because by then I wasn't processing. Oh, my own okay. Shit, you know? But um, it was the recording ISO thirty two hundred. You could you could you could set the um, the rating to whatever you wanted. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't with any film, but this was if you decided to shoot at 60 or if you wanted to shoot 100, if you wanted to shoot 3,200 or 6,400, just remember what you shot that at and you'd process it. Like if I shot 400 I'd proce- at 360, I'd process it at 400, but I'd shoot at 360. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the detail was, it's crazy. It's like megapixels. It's like 8,000 <laughs> megapixels. <laughs> and, you know, I just fell in love with that. And then when Kodak stopped making it because they said, well, you know, nobody's buying it because it was $12 a roll. And I went, no, no, I'm buying it. <laughs> no, please keep making yeah, it. Yeah. And then shortly after, you know, film just kind of went by the wayside. Mm. And now it's coming back. Is it coming back? It is. Yeah. Sales were up 20% last year. So you now actually have to try and find a film camera. Right? Well, that's the I whole still thing. Ha- I still actually have a Rebel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Isn't it Rebel? Yeah, that, yeah. The original like Rebels were film Rebel cameras, and then they came out with what was called the digital Rebel, three point yeah. no, six megapixel. Woohoo! But I did uh, have, you know, my I was a uh, it was the Canon thirty. You know, yeah, 30, and. I was started shooting movies. Uh, friends of mine who were directors said, "Would you shoot stills for our movie?" And I remember getting going in to get a sound blimp made for my digital camera. And the guy said, "You and Steven Spielberg's guy are the only people that have blimps for these, you know, the A thirty, A sixty, whatever I had at the An time." An Albertson blimp, right? Yeah, and Jacobson. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Jacobson, 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 Jacobson. That's Jacobson. Yes. Bl- bl- yeah, you know, they recently closed down. There's no need for them anymore. <laughs> you know, ex- exactly. And you know, I've got this this whole blimp box. Downstairs in the garage. So you should have borrowed I've, one of I've your dad's Leicas because Leicas don't need the blimp. Next time. Yeah, but you know, I had I <laughs> no, had eight thousand <laughs> lenses for my Canon by then. But no, I worked on a movie as recently as twenty fifteen and with a digital camera, and they required a blimp. I had to go rent one. Uh, Jacobson for this oh, case. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, even like even that little click if you're on set, that sound the sound mm-hmm. gal right. kill you. You know. So now we have and you're shooting eight thousand frames, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, because I was, especially digital, you shoot so fast. Yeah. The yeah. first movie I did shoot, I had asked Mimi. Mimi Leader is a friend of mine, but she also was the executive producer and director of uh, The Morning Show. Okay. But at the time, going back, you know, 15, 20 years or whenever it was that I was shooting this, I said to her, you know, this is the first time I'm shooting for a movie. What, what do I? She said, just keep shooting. Shoot, <laughs> shoot, shoot. Just shoot, 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 shoot. So I did. I shot 8,778 frames. Wow. And thought, okay, you know, and I'll, just, one good one I'll put there, them all, right? you know, I'll put them all and give them, and they went, oh no, we just need your best hundred. Yeah. I was like, oh, can I say that <laughs> word? Yeah. Like, my yeah. God. It, oh God. And it took me like three weeks to go through every single one of those. And because I really, it looked like I was shooting a movie. <laughs> it was like yeah. frame. It was like, eh, eh, eh. everything was so slightly different. Then you go, oh. So what was your takeaway from that experience? I don't understand, really. <laughs> Get an editor. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's right. Go back to that five role <laughs> mentality. You only have, you know, you only have a budget for three to five roles, yeah. and that's what you shoot. Well, did, like, did shooting digital, you know, change anything when you, you know, when you shoot? Because obviously it did change a lot for a lot of people and this idea of shooting maybe too much or a lot or just the freedom that it can give you, you know, sometimes it, it really changed a lot of people's photography. Well, now, you know, everything is... It's cyclical. Now I've I've barely picked up my camera. Yeah. You know. Now I also have a Sony Seven R. You know? Right. Um, and, and a phone. But I'm and I'm, but I'm shooting with my Samsung yeah. with my Galaxies. Yeah. You know the Galaxy, the first Galaxy. I think I had a four Note Four, one of the earlier ones, mm-hmm. the best pictures I'd ever seen. I went, oh my god, look at these pictures that I'm getting on my phone. And now I have a lot of my family's mostly Apple. 
nothing, you know, not against Apple, but galaxies have much better pictures. You know, the Samsung just really has the better technology. You're shooting with your phone. And I know I, friends of mine even say, your pictures are so much better than mine. Why is that? It's like, well, I've got a hey. Samsung. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like, oh, well, if oh, Samsung only made, I said, and take get another phone, you know, just get your Samsung for your shooting your stills and but you know, I still like I still like the weight of having a camera and shooting with it's, a camera. It is a different. It's a different animal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now you know, there's a difference for photographers. I never was what we'd call a professional photographer. I mean, I had gallery shows and stuff, but I'm not like Greg Gorman, who was in here. You know, who's a mm-hmm. good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I didn't shoot, and I'm not making money like that as a photographer. And right now, so many you can take so many pictures. I mean, anybody can get a good picture. With their phone. You know, you can, it's easier to get good pictures now than it used to be. You know, you'd have to have a professional photographer do that. Well, now, you know, people take headshots with their phones. You you can shoot movies with your iPhone. You can do anything. Which kind of makes us, you know, forces us to kind of rethink what we should be taking pictures of and and how many pictures we should be taking. Kind of reassess kind of the nature of it. And that's happening, I think. Even with the... You know, this return to film, we're seeing people kind of wanting to slow back down a little bit. Yeah. It's basically trying to figure out what... What's the basis of it? That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a medium. You know, it's like if you're an oil painter or if you're into acrylics or if you're into, you know, yeah. pencil drawings or if you're into sculpture. It's it's all worthy. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what your taste is and what it is that you're shooting at that moment. There. Right. What's your favorite so- uh, subject to shoot when you just go out? If you, if, say, I'm assuming you at times... And correct me if I'm wrong. Do you just take a camera and go out every once in a while? I have a camera all the time. Well, oh. I'm walking. I was walking back from the theater last night because I live on. Um, when I'm here, I live at my friend's house on 80th and, and uh, Central Park West. And you know, I walked all the way back, and then suddenly it's again. It's that black and white. It's that yeah, light. It's a, you know, yeah. I started thinking how many John Sanders once in a while. I'm going, ooh, here's another picture. I saw. <laughs> oh, here's another picture. I saw. I'm just emailing and pictures going. Yeah. And here's another thing because yeah, they yeah. say, "What's your subject?" It's it's like what's ever in front of me at the time that yeah. just catches my. This moment. morning, every time he got up to get a cup of coffee he goes there's another picture he kept sitting down he was like a jack in the box this morning (laughs) wait wait, and I do video (laughs) oh wait here's a music video I shot oh here's a short movie I did and you think the the connectivity of the phone has changed anything about your photography in the sense of sharing it it's made it more immediate because you can like whip up your phone Mm -hmm. and get something I mean I have Sam and I have seven dogs Mm -hmm. so at one point my phone had 9,000 pictures of the dogs you know oh look at the dogs doing now oh my god look at this (laughs) check this out honey and then you know you're texting it back and forth and it's like oh love oh my god dogs gotta love them you know (laughs) so So can we talk a little bit about the the modeling career? Because I'd love to kind of get some, I don't know, some, some thoughts insight. on some, Well, yeah, some insight. <laughs> As I'm, to how I'm to go about thinking it. about John, John, John's <laughs> interested in he's, he's been playing with the idea. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, you, you sit for how many covers of major magazines? And I mean, what was your interaction at the time with the photographers? Were you talking, learning, or was it just, okay, I'm here to do my job as, as a model? And I actually, the way I got discovered mm-hmm. was... Um, I was at, uh, I took my camera down. A friend of mine was in a movie with Tony Danza. I think it was called Hollywood Nights. This okay. is going back in nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And she said, "Bring your camera. Maybe we can you can get some pictures of you know the celebrities." And so I came down, and it was it happened to be a night that it was a, a big party scene. So the makeup artist thought that I was part of the the background, mm-hmm. and she said, "You know, come into the trailer and get makeup." And I went, "What? No, 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 <laughs> no! I'm I'm just here to like find my friend." 
So she said, you should be modeling. Mm. And I went, you know, <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Right, right. And she said, no, you can make a lot of money doing that. And, I, you know, and then you said, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Yeah, also, also <laughs> oh, talk oh, to well, me. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can I said, buy you a coffee? <laughs> so a friend of mine who was also at Carnegie Mellon, because we went to Carnegie Mellon together, and oh. he was a photographer. He was a lighting. We were all in lighting and production, because I wasn't in acting. I was in production. Mm-hmm. And so he just shot a couple of pictures of me. You know, you sort of, I mean, I've been around the business all my life. I understood headshots. It was sure. like a complete beast that I didn't know anything about. So he shot a couple of pictures. I sent it to 10 agents and Nina Blanchard, who at the time was the leading modeling agent and commercial yeah. agent in, Wa- in Los Angeles. Um, she got my picture and she called me in. And I'll never forget because it was like a long newsroom. She would sit at the back of the room and she could see everybody. All her little bee, you know, bees were sitting around buzzing and <laughs> on the phone and booking talent. And she looks up and she had this bright red hair and she kind of looked up over her glasses and saw me sitting way over in the corner. And, you know, she nods to the girl and says, bring her in. So I get up and walk across and obviously didn't get any taller because <laughs> so, I'm only 5'4". And she says, sit down, honey. And uh, at the time I was married to Bob Harper, so I, I just wrote Sherry Harper. I didn't say Belafonte. So she looks at me and she goes, you're not tall. You're not young, because I was 24, I think, or 23. Um, and I wasn't SAG or after. I wasn't in the union. She said, you're not SAG, you're not after. What the hell am I going to do with you? She said, but you, you got to look. Let me let me see what we can do. She did, said, she your, know who you, did she know who She didn't know who I was. Okay, go ahead. So she said, where's your portfolio? And I went, well, you know, my what? <laughs> she went, oh, God. <laughs> so she set me up with a photographer. And it was the first time that I was getting makeup done. You know, like makeup. And it was two and a half hours of getting makeup done. And I remember thinking, well, fuck, if I'm this ugly, (laughs) it takes two hours to do makeup. Why am I even... So after, and I, you know, you, I'm not looking in the mirror to see what he's doing, and he's, she's doing the makeup, and she's doing the makeup, and finally, you know, he takes the first Polaroid, because back then we took Polaroids sure. to get the lighting right, and I look at the Polaroid, and I went, damn, look at that girl, she looks good. Who is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly, I really did. So he took a bunch of pictures, because I had different, she had different water, it was a husband and wife team, and so she, they put together a portfolio for me in one day, and I took it back to Nina, there was like seven or eight shots in there, and she said, all right, now you're ready to go out. And then that was it. And, you know, from then on, I would go out. My first commercial audition was really fun because, I, again, I didn't have my union card. There was a woman by the name of, um, oh, God, uh, Trudy Booth. And Trudy Booth cast probably 75% of the national spots in California at the time. And I went in, and it was a cattle call. There was 300 people there, and they're taking Polaroids. All right, you get in that line, you get in that line. So I went into a room with 10 other people, and it was really a sitcom because I went in. I had no idea how it was going to go down. So they lined everybody up, and I'm standing at the end of the line, kind of looking down the line, saying, all right, well, let me see what they do, and I'll just copy what they do. <laughs> and the guy has a video camera. He goes, all right, slate your name, and you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm John Smith. I'm 19, and uh, I like surfing. I like skiing, but I really love roller skating. I've been roller skating since I was two, and okay, I'm with whoever, the agency. And I, hi, my name's I'm Mary Jane. I'm 21. And, you know, I've been roller skating since I was 12. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone, by the time it got to me, I went, shit, they're all skaters. <laughs> and it comes to me and they go, hi, I'm Sherry Harper. I'm with Nina Blanchard. And the guy goes, yeah, and? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, 
Uh, you know, I like sports. <laughs> I don't skate. I don't skate. <laughs> and he said, and how long have you been skating? And I was I've never skated in my life. And every one of the nine had snapped to attention to look down at me. And I went, oh, this is humiliating. <laughs> so I left. And back then, we didn't have cell phones. So I left, got, sat in my car. I was crying in the car going, this is just awful. Got home. Uh, and need, there's an answering, my answering machine. You got to call back, you know, go to the San Vicente Park and get your roller skates. <laughs> Wait. And I called her and I said, I don't roller skate. Well, rent a pair and, you know, go to the San Vicente Park. And I went, oh, God. So rent a pair. And I saw, I happened to see a pair of roller skates. It was like a shock because was that, that was back in those disco was, roller skating sure, days. Sure, sure, sure. So there was a store that I had passed and I went in. I said, can I borrow a pair of skates? Yeah, you can get a pair. You know, sure, borrow them. I go to the San Vincent Park, put them on. And of course, everybody's dancing around in circles and doing the whole thing. And I fall flat on my ass, at, like <laughs> constantly. And again, it's just the most humiliating thing. And, you know, I go back. I'm still crying. And, and tr drop the skates off, get to the home machine. You, got, you book the commercial. You have to be at Santa Monica up here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. And I went, what? This makes no sense. Get your skates. Oh, but I, I, I. <laughs> so I go back to the store and go, I got to buy the skates. <laughs> and they said, oh, you got the commercial. I went, apparently. So I go down. Sure enough, I look at the contract because I'm not Sagar after. I look at the contract and it's, and I'm look, looking through it going, wow, you know, wow. and it says stunt skater. <laughs> and I went, whoa. <laughs> well, well, you didn't know how to skate, so you are a stunt so skater. So what happened was I, I called the the, the PA, and I said, you you got to get the director in here because you guys made a mistake. I said, a huge mistake, and I want whoever it was you think I was, make sure they booked the commercial. And the director came in and said, no, no, you were so bad, and we have to have somebody that's really bad. <laughs> Your boyfriend's going to help you learn how to skate. And I was like, all righty then. And that's how I got my SAG card. Now, and you were still using the name Harper. Right? Is that yeah. so? They didn't. They were. Were they kind of clueless as to who you were, who your they, dad was? Well, no. By that time, no, no. That's right. I was still Sherry Harper. They didn't know. Nina Blanchard found out about. I was like, I was with her nine months before she found out. Because when I went in at one day, the book. One of the bookers said, "Are you Harry's kid?" And I went, "Yeah." And he was like, "Wow, okay," and didn't say anything. And then Nina, like a week later, called me and. Jerry, get in here. <laughs> uh oh, what did I do? So, you really did get in on your own merits. You really did. It, 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 well, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, sort of. I look at this face. I mean, oh, I look exactly no, like Harry. No, so no, no, two ways exactly. about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Chris. <laughs> however, it's still, it's got to be satisfying to know that, you know what? Yeah, I, there's no two ways about it. I got a lot of doors I could open up just by smiling and looking the right way. But this you'd, was. You'd be surprised, though, because what happens is, because Nina said, put your name back in. And I wasn't working, like, daily. Mm -hmm. I probably had done two commercials, and you know, like a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial or something or a McDonald's commercial or did something. But when Nina said, put your name back in, and I went, but, you know, she said, no, no. She said, use that name. You've got to use that name. So I did add the name back in. But what happens there is that people in the entertainment industry really scrutinize you, and they, they don't want you to do well. They oh. really do not want you to do well. So it, it becomes tougher. You know, you really do have to buck up because they want you to fail. That's in any creative endeavor, I believe. That, I mean, that's, that's part yeah. of the competition thing. But sure. yeah, it's definitely, they want to see you flop because right. yeah, you're not getting in on his coattails. Right. You got to earn it yourself. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
That's pretty interesting. And did you take to the whole kind of world of being in front of the camera pretty easily? Did you? Yeah, did you back like then it? I was yeah. used to it. You yeah. know, certainly growing yeah. up and seeing dad being in front of the camera yeah. all the time. You were always being stared at, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but modeling is different than just being stared at. I mean, you have to you have to work. You have to know your looks. You have to work with the photographers. Right. All these things are not. People think it's easy, but it's not necessarily it's not easy. easy. So, did no, because you, you're shooting, you know, you're shooting fur coats in the summertime mm -hmm. because of the cyclical time that they're going to print yeah. the stuff. And you're doing bathing suits in the wintertime. <laughs> so you're, and, you know, you're flying, you're going, and it's not just being pretty. You know, sometimes you're in these very awkward positions for a long time. Your arms falling asleep, your feet are falling asleep. I mean, it's obviously a, it's a little easier than being a jackhammer, you know, guy that's out there. But often but you're just a living prop. Most and of you're the time. Well, a, mostly you're a prop. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, you know, if you're if you're five pounds overweight, your agent's telling you you're fat, you know, go lose the weight. He gives me this same all the yeah. time. John <laughs> yeah. gives me this all the time. Well, you keep breaking you know? the diet. I mean, I... I, I <laughs> <laughs> Kills me. Um, and then at one point, because I, I was never anorexic, I always loved food, but I got the movie. It's called If You Could See What I Hear. This was the first mm -hmm. feature that I was doing. And Nina said to me in a nice way, she said, you know, if the camera puts 10 pounds on you, you may want to consider the, that fact. And I went, oh, you know, okay, I get, I get it. So I said, I'll just stop eating sugar because I love you know, candy bars and so I didn't eat lots of dessert. So I, I'll just stop eating sugar for a while. And I didn't have any mirrors in our house. We just didn't, we had the, the cabinet mirror in the bathroom. That was it. And if we were going out, you know, I'd stand on the side of the tub and go, you know, <laughs> say, yeah, I'm okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I went to Canada to shoot this and it was the first time the condo that I was renting had a big mirror in the bathroom and I went in and turned on the shower and, you know, took off my clothes and turned around and looked in the mirror. I looked so emaciated that I went, uh, <gasps> yeah. oh, God. And then actually the producer said, are you, you know, they called Nina and said, is she okay? She looks really skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I went, don't worry. I'll fix that. Yeah. No problem. She needs candy bars. Yeah, I need some candy bars. So I did. I started beefing right up again. Huh. Wow. You could have just told him to get a bigger camera. <laughs> Yeah, use that 14-millimeter lens. I mean, I'll look a lot fatter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in that, and as you can uh, yeah. see, that's not, my, that's not my, you know, my problem now. I weigh more than dad does, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. well <laughs> There's I'll a segue yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. well, while we're here, can I ask how is he doing? Because, you know, I've, he's, I've, doing I've, he's doing well. And yeah, he's I, doing good. I, he's, I, he's, he's, it's hard for him to get around. He's yeah. physically, mentally, he's still very much on top of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he, the physicality, he has to use a walker now. So My mom's 96, so I kind of get that. he's not happy about uh -huh. that. Yeah. And so he'd rather not go out in public than yeah. to be seen with that. I kind of want to know a bit more about your interaction on the set and modeling and, and this whole idea, if you don't mind anyway, just to um, maybe understand what you might have picked up from the photographers you work with and... I don't know how to really phrase the question other than that. Were, were you getting into it more and more at that point and thinking, all right, how can I expand my work? Or you're just like, you know, that, that part of me is done for a bit now. Because yeah. interesting is that I, I was doing a commercial for, God, who was it for? I can't remember. But John Fowler. Do you know John Fowler who does film and, uh, film and Times Magazine? He did. Anyway, he's an Ari rep. Name. He's an Ari rep. Okay. So he had just brought out it was the it wasn't the Ari Alexa. It was it was Ari's first smaller camera that was shoulder mounted. Mm -hmm. 
And while I'm on camera, you know, the whole time I'm kind of looking, <laughs> I'm reading the copies coming through on the on the, the teleprompter. Yeah. Thank you. I'm that I'm that thing that's the called thing, a. Yeah. You the know, thing, the thing sounds roll. like a, <laughs> um, so that, you know I'm reading the copy, and then they he'd stop because he was shooting this whole thing with this camera. It was a brand new for him too. So he even said, "Do you mind? We're going to do some background stuff with this camera while we're shooting." And I went. Only if I get permission to learn how to use that camera. Mm, okay. And, you know, the crew was like, what did she say? <laughs> it's like, no. I said, I want, you know, let me go to Ari and give me a crash course on how to use that camera. And he said, okay. You know, like, she'll ever do it. And, of course, I started calling up going, can I come now? Can I come now? Did you can have a particular now? project in mind when you asked that question? Or was I, it just saying, I want to do this? I want to do this. Okay. I'm a steady cam. I'm a certified steady cam operator. Go figure, right? Hey, <laughs> you know. And I had my brother's steady cam, and of course, the whole thing. I, you know, I'm, the whole time I'm arguing, going, "You guys don't know how to make steady cams for women. The whole center of gravity is lowering. We don't have this up here. We need to have it down here." And, and they're point. going, "They're going, yeah, all right. Well, when you want your steady cam rig, you can have it designed the way you want to do it." Mm -hmm. yeah. So, needless to say, I never did that because after really a while, really point. Yeah. yeah, no, because yeah. after a while, you sort of go, no, "I'm not going to be schlepping those big heavy cameras around." Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, most Steadicam guys are. That's their job. Only. Yeah, they yeah, a specific yeah, yeah. They get yeah. their crew and they rent it out if they need to. Whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, we yeah. had a little Panasonic A two hundred. You know, so the lighter cameras are easy enough, and it's easy enough to walk around with them for a while. I mean, I would. I was shooting music videos. I was shooting like a couple of things like that, and walking around with it, I would not even think about how heavy it was getting. Until you go to put it back up on the rack for a while, and you're going, oh, my God, that, you know, what was I thinking? That thing is, my arms are tired, my legs are tired. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's the mindset of being behind the camera. I think being in front of the camera gives you the wherewithal to be behind the camera and vice versa. Yeah. When I was studying production, because I always had anticipated I was going to be a director and, and production designer when I got out of school, um, I took acting classes primarily to understand what the actor, I mean, I saw dad on set and everything, but I sort of felt in my age bracket, I needed to know what it was that the actor had to go through in order to have a sensibility of what it is that they need and how to accommodate them. So you them. could relate to them. And I could relate to them yeah. and, I, you know, and using blue filters and, you know, red filters and what these filters are going to do and, you know, putting half filters in and, you know, I would be on the sets and watch what they were doing. And, you know, back in those days, that's when we were shooting film. Now you just do everything digitally. So you sort of, you know, you manipulate everything in post. But... It always felt proper for me to do all of it to get a sense of where everybody is in the scheme of this crazy business. Um, and, you know, that way I became a Jane of all trades, you know, master of nothing. But at least I had a sensibility. And, you know, I can talk to people when they're first-time directors go, look, that's not the way you talk to talent. Not that talent. She ain't going to respond that way. You know, or he's going to respond that way or, and vice versa. You know, when you, there's a video, it's like, like I said, I kept sending him things. There's a little video called Betty's Treats and the girl that is the lead in it, it was the first time she was directing. So basically I became the director because I was her DP and I was brought in because the woman that was going to DP her ended up getting a bigger gig. So she said, Sherry, enough with you doing stills on the set, DP her, her movie. So we ended up, I ended up DP and we shot the entire thing in one day. As a matter of my music video, we did the same thing shot one day. You started at seven in the morning, went to midnight. And 
there's a moment in Betty's treats where there was one shot and I said, it's the money shot. You always want to think of the money shot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's this shot where they walk up to what's supposed to be the uh, master over the fireplace and they're looking at a photo. And I said, we have to get that from behind. So as they're walking up, it's behind the photo, you know, behind the picture frames. And everybody's looking at me going, but that's a real you know, mantle on the on the wall. What are you What are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, No, we're going to figure this out. I said, and it's going to be the last shot of the day. But I've, I'm we're doing that shot. To me, it's the money shot of this little seven minute video. So sure enough, it's, we've got everything. I've, I've, and a good friend of mine was Illumination Dynamics, which is Ari's lighting arm. He went to school together. So when I called him, I was can I borrow some lights for this little movie that has no budget? And he said, come over, get it, whatever you need. So I had like a truck full of 10Ks <laughs> and everything. That, <laughs> and, Nothing um, like friends, boy. And, and, you know, friends from Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just drop that in there. Mm-hmm. So... At the last thing, we got a block of wood. I put the camera up, and I'm standing right up against the wall. You know, look at, I had tilt the, the little thing down, so I'm looking at it, and I'm flat up against the wall to get this shot. And sure enough, to me, it's like it made that movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going, what shot? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. To me, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, best yeah. shot in the, in the whole thing. Yeah, that happens well, to us a lot. Something it? I'm curious about. You spent a lot of time in front of a camera, right? Okay, having people directing everything else. What takeaways did you have when you started taking pictures of, uh, of people for yourself when you were behind a camera? What, what kind of takeaways did you have? What things made impressions saying, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that? And you already mentioned one about communicating, how to talk to talent. It is communicating. It's also, to, you know, I've had to take, not had to, but, you know, people have said, can you shoot headshots? And there's some people, and they're not all necessarily talent. There was a couple of attorneys in there. There was a couple of agents in there. and they, But they needed headshots because they're going to go in the trade. Something's coming up. And it's trying to make that person feel comfortable and look as good as they can on camera. You know, it's making sure it's the right angle. You're shooting a little bit higher than somebody just emailed me. A friend of ours just emailed us saying, you know, can you and Sam come over? I'm learning how to take headshots. I'd love to. And here's some samples. And she sent me some samples. I went, great samples. Get a ladder. (laughs) 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 And and she went, you know, I texted her back. I went, these are really cute. I said, but really you need to be a little bit higher than your subject. So you shoot mm-hmm. down and get rid of the double chin and da, 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 and you know, make them get the fan for the girls that got pretty hair. Cause they want to see the winding blow wind blowing in their hair. And yeah. I said, you know, it's a, ma-, and I said, make sure that there's music that they like, you know, if you're into Frank Sinatra or if you're into, you know, you know, uh, call Cox, you know, some hip hop house music. I said, you know, you want to make that environment as comfortable for the person as possible because then they'll feel more relaxed and you know, whatever you can do, you can fix it in Photoshop or post. <laughs> And I do do a lot of Photoshop. That was the other thing. You know, after Richard Avedon shot, here's here's a perfect example. Richard Avedon, nervous as, I always had a crush on Richard. You know, we lived on the Upper West Side. Every Mm -hmm. once in a while I'd see him and he was acquaintances with dad and Julie. And man, I wanted to be his girlfriend. Had nothing to do with, (laughs) had nothing to do with, you know, being a model. But um, he, I think what happened, because the first commercials I did, uh, as Nina's, you know, I didn't like, like I said, I did either Burger King or McDonald's or one of those, but to do the Calvin Klein commercials, cause they had just done, Richard had just the season before done them with Brooke Shields. So this season now he was using five girls to carry on the Calvin Klein and the Calvin Klein commercials were the first ones that were being shot on videotape. You know, everything else was shot on film, but he had that crisp look and, you know, you had to go in, there was an interview, it took 
I was there, I think, three days at his place with um, Dune Arbus, who was writing the commercials. And it was, you just cathartic. You just, would, you, you spilled your guts. He'd ask questions. You'd, there was crying. There was laughing. There was whatever it was. And from that, they extracted the commercials. So it was me, Martha Plimpton. Um, uh, Andy McDowell was in those. Jessica, there was a girl named Lauren Helm that was in them. And... I just remember thinking, oh, but, I, I, but you know, it's Richard Avedon. And again, luckily, I had my makeup done, so I knew it does take two hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Richard sh- shot with that big 8x10 camera. And he would shoot eight frames, like the most, eight. Usually, I think it was like five pictures, and then he was done. You know, it was with Scavulo, because yeah. I shot with Scavulo. It was like rapid fire, 35 millimeter. You know, mm-hmm. he was shooting, and click, 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 click. And you hand, handed another body, and click, 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 click. And so... You really didn't know that everybody's got their own set of yeah, you know, their style. agenda of working sure. style. Did Avedon actually take the pictures when you were in front of him? He would. Let me think about this. Because my understanding is the way he, he usually would worked, stand next yes. to the camera, and I'm trying to think if he shot. My understanding is that Jerry holds the hand out with a <laughs> like the little thing. Going, is he shooting, or was his assistant? No, he would it? shoot, but he had an assistant that would drop in the frame. Oh, okay, because I knew was. somebody who was working with him, and we, I was told that one of the things he would often do is he would either stand or sit next to the lens, and he would talk to the subject and his assistant, and then he would just have a cable release in there, and he would just fire it. Would, would you wouldn't even know? He'd have the cable release, yeah. And he, and he would also sometimes tell people we're not shooting it; we're just checking the lights, and he would just talk with you and the assistant. And would quietly change the holders and he would just talk and every once in a while just pop off an exposure and then okay, okay, we're done. And you didn't even know that it started. No, I, I remember him, yeah, like I said, I had to remember it. he had he had the release, but but really it was five. I think there was once that we went seven times, maybe. Yeah. But after a while, you know, I mean I had shot with Scavulo, I'd shot with everybody else, and everybody was shooting 35 millimeters and shooting a lot of frames. And, you know, <laughs> the first time you're shooting with him and just five pictures later, he's like, oh, you're done. You're going, oh, God, was I, was I that? Again, was I that bad that you only <laughs> yeah. take, you're not going to, like, waste a little more film on me? Did he shoot your father ever, you know? Did Evan and shoot I don't dad? remember if he did, but Scavulo mm-hmm. shot Dad and me mm-hmm. for Essence? For Essence magazine. Mm-hmm. For an mm-hmm. article in Essence. Mm-hmm. And... The first time Richard sent me, he said, Vogue wants to use this print, but I want to use this print. This is the first Vogue cover that, because I had five Vogue covers. And he said, Vogue wants to use this print, but I want to use this one. And he'd sent me a, a like Xerox copy of the, <laughs> and I looked at both of them, and that was before they were retouched. And again, this is the first time I'm going, what the, f- WTF? Yeah. <laughs> You're using either of these? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you can see everything. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, and I just said to him, whatever you decide, I'm yeah. good with it. And going, oh, oh God, oh my God, You're oh my the genius, God, what this, do I know? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Rob Carr, I think it was Rob Carr or somebody, whoever he had to retouch because Greg used Rob Carr. But, you know, they had those hairline brushes and they would just, every little nook and cranny was filled in. And by the time the magazine came, I went, again, damn, I'm looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, that is not what I saw. That is not the picture that Richard sent me. And maybe not with Avedon, but in general, and as your career grew, did you interact with the photographers? Did you work with them as it were, collaborate? Or was, I was always feel- pretty comfortable. And for, I mean, you know, except for the, after the first couple of times and you get what the routine is, it mm-hmm. doesn't, it didn't take me long to figure it out. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, I know they're going to retouch that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, no, you know, I know they're going to do that. So I've always been kind of at ease in front of the camera. Um, some photographers were a little, you know, 
standoffish, probably didn't even want to be there. That's what I got the impression of. But by and large, if you're having a good time and they're having a good time, you know, hopefully something comes out of it. I've also never been really that concerned about how I look. And I never really thought of myself as that pretty. But to me, it was, you know, it's just what it was. And then when she did see, like I said, once it was retouched to death and you're going, wow, I do look good, you know. (laughs) Wow, okay, that's not bad. I want want her number. And it's me. (laughs) (laughs) But I've never, ever been concerned about that. That It's never been, you know, if I had to go out and something and Nina Blanchard was like, you got to look good, you Mm -hmm. know, I was like, all right, well, I'll look as good as I can possibly look. And and never any thought of kind of switching to that side of the camera in in the fashion sense or in... in, in No, I shot some fashion. Did you? Yeah. 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 yeah, I did, you know, but it was always, I've always wanted to be behind the camera, but yeah. I was making money in front of the camera. Right. So you tend to lean towards where that paycheck's coming sure. in from. So but I have not also- done as much behind the camera as I would have loved to have done. Mm-hmm. That's what I should say. But now that mm-hmm. I'm 65, I'm finding myself more and more behind the camera. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What about yeah. personal projects? I mean, is there anything that really, uh, that gets you with the camera photographically that this is what I like doing when I'm just want to go away. I love working in Photoshop too. So, and what started for me was I started, I have this science fiction idea, this brain thing, brain child that's been in my head for 30 years. And it was by taking odd pictures and sometimes they're manipulated, sometimes they're not. But they're all part of this book, this thing that I'm putting together called Mythosteries. And the whole and there's a whole story by it. What's, all, the, what's a, the name of this? Mythosteries. So it's Mythos Stories. Ah, okay. But I trademarked Mythosteries and Mythostery. And I started shooting, as a matter of fact, I was shooting this movie, The Big Empty, which is a John Favreau movie. I was shooting the stills for it. And we were shooting out on the desert floor, and they had a big 10K light, like about a quarter of a mile behind us. And it was that parched, crackled, de- you know, desert floor. It was nighttime. It was freezing. It was, you know, in the daytime it was hot, but at night. Oh, and yeah. Sam had smartly told me because we, I was driving up to Baker, which is, you know, a few hours out of L.A. right before you hit Vegas. We're shooting out of the desert. And Sam had said, take your winter coat, you know, take your down coats from Canada. And I went, oh, yeah, okay, could get cold. So I was standing out. It was the first, very first frame I shot with this wide 14-millimeter lens, Canon lens. Um, and I held the camera down, like, so low. So you just see the outline of my body and, I'm, and my legs are stretched out. And I shot this picture and my leg, you know, it's it's this weird ass shadow yeah, all, yeah. that's just like zoomed the legs and there's this little tiny body and the moon was right like in the perfect spot. But then I took and took my um, my 400 lens and shot the moon, you know, got my, my monopod, shot the moon and then put the two together. So mm-hmm. the moon looks much bigger on, right. on the picture. Right. But, it, you know, in my head I'm going, I didn't really manipulate it. I just used two different photos. But this is how the picture started out. So that was one of the first photos of this. And I talk, it's called Jack Lands on the Moon. So, you know, Jack is this character, DJAK is the name of this character. That's a She's a cyber messenger that has to do all these things. At one point she has to take care of this kid. And it's all, you know, and she ends up taking him to all these different planets. So I would shoot these weird ass pictures and sometimes make them a little weirder and a little stranger. I think right. I sent you a couple yeah, where one is called, you know, does this come in a size three? I was in a, I was in a, in a, war, in a dressing room at a place and my sister was standing in the dressing room and we wear these slouch socks from the 80s. So she's standing there 
And it was just funny the way it was. And I, you know, all these ladies' legs you just see below the thing. And I just took one of her feet and I made it a third foot. <laughs> so there's like these three legs. So it's all part of this weird-ass yeah. journey that this character does. And I just had so much fun creating that over the years. I still haven't put the book together, but I've got yeah. thousands of pictures oh, that go with yeah, this yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that to me was the – it's it's – you learn the thing that picture is worth a thousand words. It's one of those things you hear as, mm -hmm. you know, as a kid. And to me, it's true. It's that that moment in time yeah. that makes you think. And you're going, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Or uh, there's even a moment in um, one of Ben Stiller's movies. It's the the Thurber story, movie that he did where um, Sean Penn plays a oh, you know yeah. a photographer. And, um, What's the name of the movie? Yeah, uh, uh, Walter Mitty. Yeah, the Walter Mitty. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and he's waiting for that moment where the snow cat's going to come out. And you think, you know, you're waiting and it, it, it's so rare that it happens. And finally, the snow cat comes out and he doesn't shoot the picture. And, you know, Walter Mitty goes, well, why didn't you shoot the picture? And he goes, sometimes I just like to look. You know, sometimes I just like to have that moment. And it's your moment. You know, and in my head, I I've had so many of those going, God, I wish I had my camera or, or why didn't I take the picture or I have the camera and I didn't take the picture. And, and, you, and you do have that moment where it's, it's special to you. I was flying from the United States to Germany and there was a, I opened up the window, it was night, it was a night flight and it was all, you know, across the poles and I remember lifting, everybody's quiet, the, the, the plane is dark and I lift, I woke up and I lifted up the shades and there was a prism that went the entire horizon of the, you know, the entire horizon. It wasn't just like a spot. It was all the way across. Yeah. And I went, <gasps> yeah. you know, that, that, oh my God, where's my camera? And I wanted to wake up everybody. <laughs> like, oh my God, people wake up, open the windows, look at this, look at this. And, you know, and you just sit there and you go in yeah. awe. And then, you know, you're flying and finally it kind of drifts away and yeah. you're going, did I just see that? Yeah. That was that moment for me and shit, yeah. I wish I'd had a picture. But you remember it. I, mean, I remember it to this day. There are times I have not photographed because I want to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. be there. If, as soon as I put a camera to my face, and I love photography, right. as soon as I put a camera to my eye, you're though, it's, you, you, yeah, you're already a right. your part. Yeah. yeah, you're abstracting no things. And, okay. well, despite that, I mean, it sounds like though the humor is in, a, in kind of the base of a lot of what you want to do. Oh, most of mine's humor, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seems that way. Although I like taking yeah. pictures of, you know, when people say, can you take a picture, you know, a headshot of me. You know, I like making them look pretty. And sure. that's the other thing. You know, people are always a little concerned about headshots and they're like, you know, I, or sometimes people like overdo the retouching. Mm -hmm. And I make a point of saying, look, I do retouch your pictures, but I don't retouch them to the point where, you know, you look like you've had, you know, shots. <laughs> but I say, you, I do do some retouching because there's a big difference between looking at somebody three-dimensionally because your eyes are always traveling. Yes. They're always moving. There's a moment. So you're never locked in that, in that one moment. I said, whereas when you're on a, in a two-dimensional form and you're flattened out like that, no matter how great your lens is, you do want to touch it up just a little bit because otherwise it's distracting and you don't look that harsh. Two in three dimensions as you do in two dimensions. We don't see every pore when we're just right. in conversation. You, right. you don't see that stuff. So, you know, I so I do retouch, but, you know, I, I go, but minimally. And people go, oh, my God, look, I, 
wow, I look great, and you didn't do anything. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. not a thing. No, yeah, we right. don't. That's yeah. correct. We don't call it anything. Yeah. We call it retouching. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, there's a series that I was reading about called "Give Me Your Goofiest." Give me your yeah. goofiest yeah. humor, yeah. and and right. ultimately that is going to be a fundraiser. You know, you want, is it? These are all these wonderful ideas because when you're a photographer and, sure. and if you don't have an assignment, you yeah. know, these are the things you end up thinking, all right, I'm going to do this and right, right, right. make some book. You know, right, there's right. always a coffee table book in your head or four or five of those. And of course, you know, coffee table books really don't really sell that much. So <laughs> you're sort of thinking, am I really going to do this right, coffee right, table right, book? Right. And could you have anything other than coffee with them? Yeah, like, no, exactly, no one's ever explained that to me. Exactly. Could you have a Coke with it or a Sprite? <laughs> it has to be. But, and does it have coffee. to be on a table? Could it be like on a chair? <laughs> but um, no, I, I started again. It was this friend who was a comedian. She gave me this weird ass look and I just shot the picture and we wept laughing, <laughs> just going, oh my God, I said, this is your new headshot. It was the joke. And, you know, you just like, <laughs> I mean, every time we would look at this picture, we would, the tears would start running. And I said, I should do a book. So I did a photo show, which was called Gimme Your Goofiest. And I got not just celebrities, but people on the street. I said, gimme your goofiest. matter before I leave, I'm going to get all of you guys <laughs> to do it. But it's gimme your dumbest look. Right. I mean, really, what's right. the dumbest, stupidest, funniest, goofiest look you can possibly do? We have no trouble with and, that. We're pretty good at that. And I would shoot that picture. And then this show, I think I had like 60 shots in this show. And everybody went, that's, you know, it's kind of brilliant. I mean, I'm sure lots of people have done it. But... Johnny Depp gave me shots, and um, there's uh, there's a, quite a few celebrities that you know said, "Yeah, here you go." <laughs> They're like, ah, "What do I care? I'm worth billions." <laughs> <laughs> and, and this idea of owning it, and and you were speaking about paparazzi, and and that's a bit prior to the, you know today's day and age where everything's out there, and and this idea of privacy, we're not we're we're dealing with a new idea of privacy. Do you? There is no privacy. Do you? All those photos the second you out. got a cell phone, you lost your privacy. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> but do you you just kind of brush off bad photos of you and, and oh yeah, and I, you, you know, know. I've I've there's been so many. I'm 65 now. Mm -hmm. There's been a plenty of bad photos, right. and you just you know, it's like who cares? I've always had a sensibility of the pratfalls and downfalls of being in this entertainment industry, and I've never taken it personally. I mean, once in a while, you know, if you don't get a part, you're going, well, why didn't I? I, I acted my ass off for that, but then you know, it's on to the next. And then you usually find out somewhere down the line there's a reason why, and you say, oh, I could live with that. I find oh, yeah. often the times when I've been kicked in the butt and I'm saying, why me? And I look back, oh, okay, that was actually good. Thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it is. It's a godsend. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe one or two last questions. That's all right. <laughs> oh, please. I've got all the time in the world. Um, Just got to make spaghetti sauce for, for Harriet Five. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> he lives here in the city? Uh -huh. Actually, that was one of my questions. Um, all right, then uh, you only have one more. Go right. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> was that it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you two are kind of <laughs> um, But uh, of all the photos of, of your father, and, you know, there's so many, obviously, for work, but civil rights, you know, marches, and, and he's been with everybody. Is there anything that, you know, is on the wall at your house? What stands out? What's your favorite photo mm. of him? There's a great picture, and it's it's on the news all the time where he's laughing with Martin Luther King. There's mm -hmm. a there's it's a famous yeah. photo. I don't even know yeah. who the photographer is, but yeah. you know every time around Martin Luther King's birthday or Harry's birthday, somehow that picture reemerges and finds its way back into yeah. the into the press. And it's it was just one of those special moments that you kind of remember. You know, even if you weren't in the room at that time, but knowing how friendly, you know, they were best friends. A lot of people think, well, you know, no, no, really, they were best friends. And the idea that your best friend is taken away so drastically like that, but you have that moment, that one 
you know, that thousand word moment that just happened at that moment that somebody captured and that, you know, you can save that forever. You can savor that forever. So that picture of him, uh, I'm trying to think this, you know, we have a lot of pictures. Sure, sure. Well, that's a great oh, answer. no we doubt. We have a lot of pictures. How about, uh, at Harry's house. You know, yeah, suddenly yeah. there was like, oh God, really? You're hanging that one, dad? <laughs> but no, we have, there's, you know, yeah. And then Scavulo shot pictures, like I said, pictures of Dad and me for Essence magazine. Uh-huh. That was really pretty because we all, we both had our makeup on. We had our hair pieces in place. Right, <laughs> and everything right, was, right. you know, and you look really pretty and you're going, oh, God, yeah, that's kind of a special moment. Yeah. But um, no. Yeah, yeah, the answer to the question is like, answer. no, there's lots of good pictures. and yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. How about of yourself? Any photos? There, are, well, there's a picture that Richard shot, Richard Avedon shot, mm-hmm. and it was a Vogue cover. That actually was my favorite Vogue cover, where it's a big smile and I'm having these multicolored pajamas, like silk pajamas on. And what happened was we got that shot, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, great. And he came over, this was, I think, maybe the probably the fourth, third or fourth magazine. So I, I was comfortable with Richard Avedon. Mm-hmm. I also still had a crush on him, <laughs> but he came over. And he bit my cheek. Um, like when it's like I thought he was coming for you know I was like what's he doing? <laughs> He's getting close. Oh my god, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> he came over, bit my cheek, and I don't know if he shot the picture or if his assistant shot the picture. Right. But he then sent that picture to me, so uh, I have that picture. I'll, it's hanging in my husband's keeper. office. I'll text that to you when Please. I get home. I'll yeah, text that one good. to you. Yeah. Where he, you know, it was that moment where we're going. Yeah. You know, my mouth's wide open, my sure. crooked teeth are showing, and he's like biting my cheek. And it was like, <gasps> that's that's one of those breathtaking moments where you're going, oh my God, the guy I have a crush on is like eating oh, my face. That's <laughs> <so pretty>. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. <laughs> 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 At least I said face. <laughs> Waiter, check please. Waiter. Anything you want to talk about? Yeah. What, what's what's new? What's you know, the next? I, I might. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm getting ready. We're 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 in de- pre development because we're seeing if we can get funded. But it's going to be Bob Marley's. It was just Bob Marley's 75th birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I met Sadella and Roe, who are two of his eight million children. Mm-hmm. But they run the they run the foundation, the Bob Marley estate. And she wanted to do something exciting next year, and she is pitched to uh, a producer the idea of getting five people, five or six people, to shoot short movies. I think forty-two minutes. So mm-hmm. it's it's they're long, but they're mm-hmm. I think forty-two minutes and under movies that are uh, inspired by Bob's music. So the guy that's putting that together is a friend of mine. And said come in and pitch Roe and mm-hmm. Sadella, you know, one of your ideas. Which song do you want? I've always wanted to shoot a series about people of color that were cowboys, mm-hmm. uh, cowboys and cowgirls. It was uh-huh. called Cow Folks of Color. Uh-huh. And it, to me, it was supposed to be a series, and it was a movie. It was in development at Showtime. For, it was like, oh, my God. Like year, 30 years I wanted to do this. But now suddenly I had the opportunity to shoot. I said, I want Buffalo Soldier. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, great, the one song that we don't have the rights to. (laughs) Well, that's the one I want. So sure enough, they said, yeah, I think we can get the rights to that. Coming in pitch. And I went, I, you know, I'm pepping the pitch. And I went, all right. And I had a harmonica and I learned how to play Mm -hmm. Buffalo Soldier the night before on my harmonica. Really rough. Not not a good version of it. Mm But, uh, and I said, I want to do this, but I want to make it about Kathy Williams. And I said, who changed your name to William Cathy? 
and was the only female Buffalo soldier at the turn, you know, 1900. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I pitched this idea to Stella, and I said, you know, the other thing is all the books that anything you read about her is how she was so excited to be a soldier and she cut her hair and, you know, joined and marched and was, you know, all about it. I said, you know that that's just not true. I said, she was um, contraband of war, Mm -hmm. which meant she was a slave. When they were freeing the slaves, they actually took a lot of the slaves to come work for them, for the Union armies. And so they had to still do dishes and still wash clothing. And my guess is that she probably ran away or killed a soldier and ended up putting on the uniform to hide. Mm. And I said, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And Sadella just went, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, let's do that if we can do that. So that's, and so now, of course, I went, now what the hell am I going to shoot this on? (laughs) Now that I'm actually going to get this movie. Sometimes you get what you, I know, be careful what you, you gotta be careful what you ask for. But uh, so, yeah, I'm also on Tyler Perry's Sisters. I forgot that's that's something. I just did six episodes of that where I play a ex-Marine sharpshooter with PTSD. One of the sisters is my daughter, and I smoke pot and ride a Harley. And I have blonde dreads. Yep, so where's the challenge? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chad, it was so terrific having you here to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was very enlightening. Uh, it's interesting to hear your, your your story, your path, and where you went and where you didn't go. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you are not a subscriber to our podcast, all you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Spotify, and sign up. And you can always find this on the BNH Explorer website as well as the BNH Photography Podcast Facebook group. My name is Alan Weitz, and on behalf of John Harrison, Jason Tables, thank you so much for tuning in today.